Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. You have the joy of listening to show number 122 today. Um, I don't know why I said that with such excitement. I don't think that's a special number in any way. Um, But you know, it's special because it's Monday night and we're here and we're recording and we've got a super special guest. Sadly, no Rach. Uh, we rec- we discovered just before we pressed the record button that we didn't know why Rach wasn't here. Normally we've got some kind of tale of, oh, I'm super busy. I'm in Berlin in a in a rave ghetto or something like that. But we, we have no idea why Rach isn't with us this evening. Uh, but I can say hello to my good buddy, Graham. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Wade. Very well. Yeah, I think Rachel's just between rave ghettos at the moment. I think, you know, she's been at some party all weekend and she's off to... Uh, where's she off to um i can't remember off to, to eastern europe somewhere tomorrow and um yeah her jet set lifestyle just doesn't leave room for us or you listeners i'm afraid oh dear oh dear oh dear that's <laughs> that's a harsh thing to say that is if you're listening to this rach don't worry i'll stick up for you he's a horrible nasty man that graham but i think the whole internet knows that anyway so it's no it's <laughs> it's not a big deal it's not a big deal um anyway uh well i tell you what you are the person who out of the two of us who has organized our super special guest for today so please could you do an introduction I certainly can. I am really looking forward to this chat this evening because the gentleman we've got on is somebody who uh, is not only a producer of beautiful work in his own right, but also somebody who um, shares his considered thoughts and opinions on the work of others through the books that he um, reads and shares online. And um, and it's going to be great just to get an insight into how that's affected his own work and what he's doing also he's a member of the all format collective which is something i don't think we've ever talked about on the show and if we did it was a long long time ago um but for anybody who doesn't know uh they're a collection of very fine photographers who it's worth looking into anyway without further ado welcome to the show james morton good evening good to be here (laughs) it's great to have you here james um now as I said, I've been seeing your work on Instagram uh, for a long, long time now, I think, because um, I think the All Format Collective uh, began its life at a very similar time to when we started the podcast a couple of years ago, or slightly more than a couple of years ago now. And so just when we were getting going, I sort of saw um, that happening and the people involved in it more actively and, and so started following you then. Um, and it is a collection of very good photographers and printers um uh, you are based over in northern ireland you probably know this already um but if not I do, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i know that as with many of us uh, photography was something that uh, was part of your life early on but it seems uh, only in the more recent in the last of 10 years or so that it's become uh, a very important part of your life can you uh, talk to us about what has led you to this point now being somebody for whom photography is a very important part of your life? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess sort of going way back, uh, I first sort of got interested in, in pictures and photography through a, a very good friend of mine in the, in the late nineties when we lived as teenagers down in Belfast. So I, I currently live in the deepest, darkest County Antrim away up the sort of misty foggy roads that I like to put up on the, on Instagram but um, he had a, an old Pentax MX at the time, 
and you know random collection of film um and back then that was just when i don't even think we'd seen digital cameras so you know film was just normality really in terms of photography and he just used to take great pictures of our group of friends and uh, you know most of us used to skate and a few people rode bmx's and you know typical kind of teenage group of people um, and I just loved the pictures that he made and the, and the prints that he used to get back from the the pharmacy and so on. And we used to sit around looking at them, laughing. And and that was when I really got the the, the bug. And I think I bought like a, a Pentax ME Super and um, snapped away myself until I went to university. And then just the expense of getting film developed sort of stopped me from from continuing, which I sort of kicked myself for these days. As I would love to have a record of what went on during university as well. Um, but that that's how I sort of uh, got interested in it. Um, I've always been, I guess, someone who's felt like I needed to kind of channel some creativity in some way. So when I was at university, it was kind of music and uh, running club nights and doing radio shows and bits and pieces like that before sort of uh, coming back to reality and settling down and picking up photography again where I left off. It just kind of fits into my my life the way it is at the moment. And like I said, it's become that that thing that I can channel sort of creativity through and, and sort of build my life around, so to speak. So it's, it is, like you said, very important to me. And when did you pick the, uh, coming back to, when did you pick your camera up again? Oh, I mean, when I sort of came back to it, I actually, um, I got like a cheap digital SLR because at that stage, and that was around 2004, 2005, um and the you know the kind of cheap nikon um or the sort of budget nikon slrs were the slrs were were affordable and so picked that back up again and snapped snapped about with it and and had fun and enjoyed it and then um sort of realized that the world of film was still there and actually if you develop the film yourself you know the the range of cameras you could get were incredible at, at that time so that was sort of around 2000 and sort of 2006 2006 2007 so you know you could pick up like nikon fn2s for with lens with a lens like in mint condition in a box for like 150 200 quid um which i did and and um decided to just go to you know buy film cameras for fun because they were cheap um and then around about uh, must have been about six or seven years ago i decided to just shoot black and white film only and and not bother with digital anymore oh, i mean i still have my phone and mess around with that but um sort of around six seven eight years ago was was when the kind of black and white film bug truly bit me and i sort of focused myself on that and you know it sort of went from there one of the things that you seem to have started doing around that time is taking on uh long-term projects um uh, the the work on on your website is mostly built around these longer term pieces you have as i mentioned at the onset you've written quite a bit uh, and posted on instagram a lot about your love of photography books um is is this something that has inspired you from that is it your love of photo books and that medium that led you to go okay this is how i want to approach things yeah definitely um and I mean, sort of at that time that, the, the, you know, sort of serious photography, if we could call it that, kind of sort of bit me and, and got my attention. I was sort of obsessed with the Magnum website and going through, you know, every single Magnum photographer's work and looking at how they approach subject matter and kind of, you know, it realized pretty quickly that photography is, is more than just a single picture. Like a single picture is a building block, but to put them together in a way 
um, that makes them greater than the whole is is sort of a, a real skill and takes it to the next level. And an exhibition is is you know a display of that, but then the photo book is is kind of like a it's a it's a, it's a really interesting medium for me because it's taking those building blocks, building them into something like I said bigger than than those single images. But you're kind of getting an insight into the into the photographer's mind, into the way they think and the way it works. And so I, very early on, I always tried to think of things as you know blocks of work, whether they turn into something or not. You know, I didn't worry about that at the time, but definitely wanted to to work as a kind of project-based photographer. Although, you know, trying not to take myself too seriously. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, running off to wars or anything like that. But, um, and I, uh, but uh, starting with that, I, you know, uh, the, first, the first real project that I took on board and, and made sense to me was when uh, my wife was pregnant. And I, and I thought, here I am at the very start of a story, um, you know, a kind of a monumental chapter in my life. And I can I can sort of make make something work here, and that's when I decided to kind of split it split it into chapters and keep on going, and that's really kind of the family kind of diary piece that I've been continuing to work on uh, today, and that started, you know, five four or five years ago. So um, that's that's really when it sort of really started. You said about uh, you you got to this point where you wanted to start taking it seriously. What was the change or what was the change in mindset that you needed to make? Because I think there is a difference between um, people like myself who I'm out there and I'm grabbing pictures when I get the time and it's fairly scattershot. Um, And when I look to people who are putting together a a volume of work or, or an exhibition or whatever it may be, what is the the mindset change that you needed to make to start achieving what you wanted with your photography? I mean, I, I, I still shoot very casually um, for most stuff. I mean, obviously, with some of the large format stuff that I've been doing recently, it's a slightly different mindset. And I guess we could we could come on to that at some point. But I still shoot very casually and it's still huge amounts of fun to shoot. So don't don't think that I'm, you know, a, a stern faced person stomping around, taking myself too seriously. I think the the seriousness really comes from looking at your work in a in a really really critical fashion in terms of what works and what doesn't it's either good or it's bad or it's either good or it's not good enough right um, and then having that kind of structure in terms of projects really allows you to kind of fit things together in a, in a way that makes sense to me and I guess I've always been um, a bit of a perfectionist so no matter what I what I've done I've always wanted it to be the best it can possibly be if if it was any less than that it would it would annoy me um and so and so putting into these you know approaching things from a project perspective to to eventually do something with it whether it's a zine or a book or an exhibition or a set on a website you know that's that's the way my my mind kind of worked and it made sense to me and and that's what I've been doing for quite a number of years you know yeah Uh, that is is interesting actually to me because I I have a role sorry Graham but I I have I have a role as the the documenter of the family life, as it were, um, because it happens to be the one that in in my n- near family I'm the one that's interested in photography. So you know, it, it sort of becomes a natural thing, and people ask you to take photos. And we I do try and document the lives of my you know my very close family. You know, me, me my wife, and kids. 
Um, I, I'm not sure that I could say that I have put it all together into a uh, a, a coherent piece of work, though, in, in the way that you have. It's um, it, 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 what is it that... Um, and and for me i think i i people some of some of our listeners say oh i don't post very many photos and and uh, you know i've had conversations when we've had meetups in the past with our listeners where they say well you need to publish something you need to publish something and then part of me thinks no i don't no you <laughs> yeah. don't no i i agree you, you don't you know I, I i firmly believe in quality over quantity um and that's one of the things that that really irks me about uh instagram is it's like this beast that you need to feed like on a daily basis and it kind of goes against everything I, I kind of believe in to a degree um but I've managed to get myself into a position where I can almost do that um but yeah I, I I agree I think you should hold back hold back um I mean I've got stuff that nobody's seen um going back many years that I need to to go through and I kind of quite like hoarding stuff and keeping it to myself if you know what I mean um and then you can kind of look at it in a much more sort of subjective way and you take the emotion that the emotional connection out of it and you know you can see whether it's a good photograph or not you know whereas if you, you take it at the time and you, you think it's a good photograph and you post it and then you know you come back six months later and think oh, that's that's terrible and you take it down and you know I'd rather just not do that I'd rather wait let the dust the dust settle and then build it into something that's actually more coherent and and is is, you know makes more sense from so, that perspective yeah so i think and that, and that comes across on your own personal website we'll have a link to it in the show show notes of course um because the 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 two main albums that seem to reflect the the growth of your family over the last four years or so four or five years um that that is it's obviously very carefully curated um and you know the, there are perhaps 60 photographs uh covering four years of family life which is of course you know by by modern standards an incredibly small number so it's obviously very yeah. caref- carefully curated I'm, I'm wondering do you have a because uh, i don't have much of a curation process and because of that it's difficult for me to uh to consider which ones are the right ones to be sharing with the big wide world um, yeah. e- even when i even when i get uh, stop being quite as antisocial as i usually am and, and set myself <laughs> to it so h- how is it that you go about this whole thing what 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 drives you to to create those those very carefully created galleries, which then you will have some element of of sharing, let's say, on your own website? Yeah, I think it's I think it's learning to be patient um, and learning to be very critical. So um, I would I think it was in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen I did a a six month um, online. Um, uh, course with Charlie Kirk so uh, he's quite well known as Two Cute Dogs he used to be on Flickr and he's on Instagram although he's given up photography to go and play golf and, and basically be a gobshite but that's another story <laughs> um, but back in, back in the day uh, he was a he was a fantastic photographer um, and I, I kind of meet up with him from time to time and have a couple of beers and, and chew the fat and doing his course was a real um, sort of watershed moment for me because it taught me uh, how to read a photograph and then whether it's good or whether the photograph's not good and I think a big part of that is uh, thinking is looking and thinking so you, you can take and this is one of the things I, I love about film is you can take a whole, whole whole host of pictures and then sit on them for ages so I've got uh, I've been talking about this quite often on Instagram stories and things that I've got like 
50 rolls of film that I've built up this year um, or in the last couple of months actually that I need to need to develop and that's not really out of choice it's just out of how busy I've been um, and I'm trying to work on it now that the the, um, the nights are drawing in but that that um, aspect of shooting and then sitting on the film and waiting and having the patience not to, to look at it and then when you do look at it you know that like I said that emotion's gone from the moment you've most of the time I, I'm surprised I forget what's on the film um and I sort of will remember most of the shots and some of them I, I don't which is even more interesting um but you can look at it almost as if you didn't take the photograph and so it's a lot easier to say yeah or no if it's not your photograph um, and so I think I think patience is the key waiting and sitting on stuff until you're ready to look at it and then looking, you know, bringing it together in a set or a zine or a book or however you want to display that in a, in a much more considered fashion is, is is key from my perspective, you know, but, but you said um, 60 photos in, in four years. I think I was I've got another kind of chapter almost ready to go. I've got about another 400 photos from the last year and a half or two year two years since my daughter's been born and I need to edit that down to around 30 35 and that'll be another chapter ready to go so I kind of need to do that quite soon I think can I ask me about the, the, this work with the, and, the, and the editing process and stuff because I really love the work in these, in these family albums as you call them but the one thing which really stands out to me about them as I look at these pictures go is I think they're beautiful pictures. I think they are. Um, the, their artistic merit is fantastic. I also feel like they are the kind of photos that if I took that style of photos of my family and then presented them to my better half, she'd look at me and go, "That's not a good family photo." Uh, yeah. <laughs> because that, that's not the same. So, are you are you getting a mixture of photos whilst you're shooting and then and then selecting the ones which best fit with the feel that you want or are you or are you just in trouble with your wife a lot uh yeah i'm in trouble all the time um <laughs> uh, you know she she sort of uh, she's lived with me for quite some time and, and been, been with me for some time so she knows that i'm kind of i'm going to do this regardless and has got over the whole i mean you're sticking a camera in my face um kind of thing uh, and now that the, the kids have come along i'm sort of much more interested in them because they're kind of you know running around doing interesting things so kind of the heat's gone off her to a degree but she kind of just lets me get on with it you know she's not too bothered but uh, you you use um i mean you, you use the the, the the positive things about film which sometimes people go well look at this is you know these are the negative sides of films you know you slow shutter speed stuff like that there's pictures where things are very blurred there's lots of movement lots of stuff like that um that's all mainly of... my my inadequacies of working a camera yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it all works really really well um like i said i think your your pictures uh, look fantastic and they they they, they capture the feeling of a, 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 the, the passage through time of a family, but at the same time, they they don't feel anything like my family photos do at all. Um, and, and it's interesting how you've used the medium to get that separated feel from it. Maybe the, the editing process helps you with that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of never really set out to have a certain look or a certain sort of feel to them. It's just what I'm doing at the time and if they're if they're blurry it's you know like I said mainly I'm maybe shooting inside and my film speed's too slow and I, I just kind of go for it I don't really hold back and like you said I, I kind of wait and see what happens later and sometimes if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and kind of just let yourself go so 
but I guess it's my it's it's sort of my perspective I'm I'm presenting and I'm sort of quite happy with it so far so I'm just going to keep on going in that kind of diaristic way like I said so uh, you we talked about the fact you love your books you you collect photo books um what is it you're getting from them because I I also love photo books I buy a reasonable amount of them and you do as well don't you Wade you've got quite a few on the bookshelves yeah I do yeah. Yeah, I love them yeah um, I'm not always the best at getting the most out of them. I don't feel like. Um, but is this is this been a, a long term thing for you with the photo books? Yeah, um, I, I've been buying photo books probably, like I said, since that kind of uh, serious photography sort of um, thing that I mentioned in terms of biting me around sort of uh, ten years ago or so. Um, so I've been been collecting for a good number of years and. Um, it, I, I kind of I think it was an addiction for a while I, I, I've tailed off a little bit and I think it sort of came from wanting to have a collection that I could go to and dip in and dip out of different styles and then fine-tuning and refining what I liked to then only buying you know you can you get better at buying so after a few years when I knew where to go and what to listen to in terms of what what was coming up I would buy quite a lot and quite a lot of the time I would buy stuff that I wouldn't go back to time and again, whereas now I would buy stuff that I know I would go back to again and again and again. Um, but for me, photo books are the, are the fuel that, that underpins the, the passion, if you know what I mean. It, they really drive my thought process. And I would, I would I will sit down with a glass of wine and, and read many books per week. Um, and like I said, some of my good one, some of my sort of favorite ones I would go back to time and time again. And, and I think they've taught me a hell of a lot. Um, I mean, especially living living where I live out in the in, in a rural area, there's not a huge amount of um, sort of photography culture around here. There's some good places in Belfast, um, but you know that's a bit of a drive away, and I just quite like having stuff at home that I can I can dip in and dip out of, and and um, it's another string to the bow of the interest, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I said I've got photo books, and um, and when I do get time to spend with them, I, I sometimes feel like I can sit down and start digging into pictures. But I'll be honest, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever managed to unlock the way of learning from them in the way that I really should. Have you got any tips um, of how to get more use out of photo books? What what is the secret to actually help using them to develop your own? ability and style and so on because i feel like i've kind of failed quite miserably at that most of the time yeah, i think it, i think that's a hard one um you have to you have to really look at it i know it sounds a bit simple of a simplistic for a, a, of an answer but you have to really look at them and and study them hard and think deeply you know a good photo book there is a reason why that picture is there and there is a very very good reason why the next picture comes next and so on and so on and so forth and so if you understand how to read a single photograph and you understand why it's good and and why the photographer has put it in that position and then how the the rest of the narrative of the book is built around that you know a book a good book will have a beginning a middle and an end and it will have peaks and troughs and there will be like you know um high points and low points and the, you know it, it may change gear at certain points and it may become very loud and it may become very quiet and the more you look at them and the more you study them and and you know give yourself time to look at them and then think about them hopefully those kind of things will become clear 
That's probably a step or two further along the chain from where I am in my appreciation of photo books, I have to say. I mean, I do. It's interesting you, you, you the way you say yeah, that. that in, and of course, those are things that you've described are all things you would expect to see from some kind of storybook, like, you know, be it yeah. a, a massively fat science fiction novel or, or a short story or whatever it might be. And I'm not sure I'd, I'd made the link across to photo books but as you were describing that the one the one of mine that really sprung to mind and i'd have to go back and check if this is true is one of the uh original uh bill eggleston books uh the one with the tricycle on the front i forget what it's called oh yeah william eggleston's guide that's it yes thank you yeah um which i i love um and uh uh, I know he's in some ways, even to this day, he is a somewhat contentious uh, photographer because some people say, oh, it's all very cliched and, and, and not very arty and there's not even a subject in half the photos when yeah. actually uh, and other people have, of course, a very opposite view. Um, but the that that view that, that book particularly, I think, is is what sprung to mind when you were talking about it. But then, if I think about another book, which I have mentioned several times on this show over the last couple of years, a book I have called uh, by a, a photographer, American photographer, I assume he's American, uh, called Glennie Friedman, um, and uh, I think the book I'm thinking of is called My Rules, and it's a proper big heavyweight coffee table book, and it's okay. all photographs of skaters in the 70s in LA and then punk bands in New York in the late 70s and early 80s, and some people who became very famous and some people who didn't. And, and that, for me, I, I don't know what that... I don't, I'm not sure that that does have those uh, attributes that you were describing. Yeah. I think that, for me, is about capturing a moment in time. But I, I don't know. I think I, I think I become more thoughtful and more introspective when I read something like the Eggleston book than I do when I'm spotting young photographs. Yeah, sorry, not young photographs, old photographs <laughs> of, of young rappers and young punks who are now, of course, very establishment. But in those days, were really anti-establishment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that that that's interesting. Do you, can I can I ask? Because because part of what interests me in photography sometimes is, is technical stuff like lighting is is that something that you get from studying these books at all um i think i think i i well yeah i mean a good photograph has, has usually got some form of interesting lighting going on so the more you look at photography the more you can learn um and the more potentially you could learn use natural light and when to shoot um so you can to some degree, but you're never going to learn unless you just sort of give it a try. You know, if there's good light, shoot a roll of film in different angles and, and see what works and see what doesn't. Try different exposure settings, try different film, different developers and, and see what clicks and what doesn't and, and go from there. Yeah, because I have seen in some of your in, in some of your shots on your website, um, especially with your indoor photography, uh, you seem to be you seem to have chosen the the lighting the, or the way that you capture the light, you know, quite specifically. So somebody's face would be in the light, for example, or uh, there was one. And I can't for the life of me find it right now. But there's one of somebody, I think maybe your son. And there's a sort of stripe of light going across the floor and then up uh, up his body. He's still sort of standing in a stripe of light. And, yeah. and clearly that sort of stuff is is uh, you know, sort of de- deliberately thought through. It's um, it's. Uh, I, I had wondered if perhaps you were getting those, you know, the, the, no. that kind of inspiration on a technical level as well as an artistic well, inspiration. Y- yeah, I mean, if if you want to see stuff like that, the the book you have to own is uh, Minutes to Midnight by Trent Park. Um, oh, so right. can, okay. I believe you can still get the the second edition on Amazon for like 
30 quid or something you know it's it's it, it's it's a it's a reasonably priced book um and it is a, an absolutely fantastic photo book it is probably one it's probably my best book that i own actually um there's a few up there and that's definitely up there and his use of light is is he's he's a complete master so if you want to learn about stuff like that look at his work and look at how that book's put together and that really you know talks to what i've been saying about putting things into a narrative and start middle and end and, and so on and so forth his that that book is an absolute masterpiece so that really those photos are me just messing around with light to try and you know see what i can do with it um but it, it's interesting you, you mentioned two photos there both of my son and that that light only happens at this time of year and my, my house faces south and the when when it's not lashing with rain or foggy we have these incredible um sunsets from about kind of four until about six and the sun sits really low and the light just blasts through the house and it's i just can't help but pick up a camera and shoot everything and occasionally you're lucky and you get something interesting like that stripe light or or the the one where his face is is totally overexposed but the rest mm -hmm. of the picture is fine you know yeah and i'm just looking at that very picture now and it's, it's it's a great picture i i love the way the shadow is thrown so perfectly onto the the sofa behind it's a really lovely balanced picture but it does fall absolutely into the category of um a beautiful artistic picture that i would imagine your wife looks at and goes well you can't see his face yeah, at all. also there's a balloon in there saying 30th birthday are you letting know. people know my age i mean so many things are going to get you in trouble <laughs> i know i know <laughs> But the, the funny, the funny thing is, I was going to say the, the the funny thing is, is uh, shooting the kids when they're that size, size is it, it's like a, it's very good practice as a photographer because they will not do what you ask them to do. They constantly move, and so you just have to be on your toes the whole time um, to to make photos. Like, and, and it's just sort of quite interesting to kind of fine tune your skills. And if you're shooting with a uh, like those photos are all made with a with an M6, and so it's manual everything, and so you're you've got to work very hard, you know. Sorry, Aid, didn't mean to talk over you there. No, 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 that's fine. No, I was, I, uh, to be honest, uh, I was just going to ask you a silly question, really, which is, do you have somewhere like a, a locked Flickr account where you post all your mobile phone snapshots that all the rest of the family like? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes, I've got a, I've got a <laughs> private phone only uh, Instagram where I just put um, phone snaps of the kids that keeps everybody happy. Yeah. I've I've developed that somewhat of a coping coping mechanism as well myself. <laughs> <laughs> get get their shots first, then you can go play. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. So I mean, actually, you... I actually think that some of my best stuff is is taken on the phone and in that in that uh, private account. So it's quite funny. Do you know? Do you know what I I had took a photo with my phone the other morning. I was driving through Windsor Great Park, which is part of my commute, and it's a an autumn misty morning uh, with the sun just come up, and I I posted that on Twitter, uh, and it's got more likes than I've had for a, a photo on Twitter for a long time. And do you know how I took it? I was driving along. Um, I was heading about north, so the 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 sun was on the right hand side, shining into the side of my car. And I held up my phone to the to the driver's window and I just went click, 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 click as I drove about a mile along the street and then picked the and then picked the best one at the end of it. <laughs> that was that was my artistic effort that day. I used that exact same uh, method to to make uh, an entire body of work, actually, just driving kids to school, driving here, there and everywhere and 
taking pictures of of the weather really as I'm going going about doing that and it's turned it into something so that's what I, what I was talking about getting photography to fit into your life if you can make that work then you can you know practice it on a regular basis so yeah that, and that does it I mean I had a I had a job uh, a while back where I was working in London and because of that I was getting a training and then I was walking around the city and uh, that that was a far easier job to fit photography into your life because I had plenty of commuting time where I could actually take photographs now commuting by car is slightly trickier these days but <laughs> slightly more dangerous as well yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah phones are they're they're just great for catching kind of little sketches aren't they they're the thing you have and you can just go oh that that light is amazing and i'm just going to capture it now and yeah i, I completely get what you both you were saying it's it can be a perfect way of just grabbing something that you would miss and will never occur again which is the beauty of your to- photography in the first place i guess yeah absolutely yeah t- totally totally so um uh well i'll tell you what we should probably talk about the the all format collective shouldn't we some and uh you know your your role in in the collective and what the collective is up to um i i i'm not i had a look at the website uh and i'm not sure james that i i fully understand that the brief or the objectives or the aims of all format is it is um what, what can you tell us about oh. the collective the 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 briefs and the aims and the objectives are very loose and unwieldy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this has been an advert on behalf of the All Format Collective. Um, yeah, I mean, so we we started around um, oh, three years ago or so. Uh, a random guy that I'd never heard of before pinged me on Instagram, and we started talking. and And uh, that guy was a guy called Raf Hurwitz. And he said he had an idea. He wanted to start a collective, and he'd already made a website. And was I interested? And you know, I'd known quite a few people who were part of much bigger collectives, and 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 uh, thought it was a good idea, and liked talking to him. And we said, okay, we started. Um, added a few more photographers that we'd known on Instagram. Um, so guys like uh, Kit Young and Mikael Cirilla, uh, Cameron Hearth, um, a few guys like that, and chucked an Instagram page together and off we went with no real, um, no, no agenda, no objectives, just sort of thought we'd club together and see what would happen. Um, and then over the course of six months or so, we thought, okay, well, what we'll do is club together and, and make a zine. So by that stage, I'd already made my first uh, personal or my own um, zine and loved the experience of doing that um and so we thought yeah we'll we'll, we'll make a collective zine um again chucked a bunch of pictures together and um randomly asked jason lee you know um the actor photographer skateboarder a uh, very famous guy if he'd uh, agreed to do uh, an interview for us and he said yeah so he sort of lit the fuel underneath the, the whole project and it took off and we printed and sold out very, very quickly and sort of made a bit of a, a name for herself. Um, and we, we really liked the, the, the way it was going. We liked the idea of, of using the zine as the kind of uh, the main driver behind it all. Um, we then added a few more photographers to the collective. Um, it's funny, the guys over at um, Death Before Digital call us the all-format commune because we, we just keep growing and adding more and more people, <laughs> uh, which is which is sort of uh, quite apt, I think. But uh, yeah, and then 
Raf decided he had to go off and, and start a business. Um, sort of so life got in the way. And so I kind of stepped into the breach to a, to a degree, very much helped and supported by all the other guys. Um, and then we put uh, All Format uh, 2 together. So we put our second edition together. Um, and I think that was when we really kind of started to hit the nail on the head in terms of what we what we wanted to do. So um, we printed loads of them. Um, and and I, I do all the distribution and the mailing and all of that, which is a real pain in the ass. But, you know, it's, it's good to do it. Um, and uh, we got Renato Diagostin to do a, an interview for us and, and show some of his work. And he's a really fantastic, talented photographer. Um, and, and again, it went, went really well. Um, so again, third time lucky. We've added a whole bunch of new photographers with some incredible work uh, all around the world. And uh, currently working on the third issue of the zine. And we've got a really... Uh, fantastic photographer lined up for an interview um i'm i'm personally really really excited i think it's going to be i don't i don't think i can say their name just yet we're going to release that closer to the the publishing date but um yeah all format uh three is it's currently in my uh sort of editing suite if you call it that i'm currently moving pictures around and deciding what's going where so we're definitely in the the final throes of putting that together but um yeah it's uh, it's a bit like herding cats um, you know, everybody's all over the world and everybody's very busy. And uh, the hardest thing is just getting people to say, give me 15 pictures that you like and stick them in a Dropbox. That takes months. <laughs> um, but we're, we're getting there. So what is the commonality between the photographers that you you pull into the All Formats Collective? What is it about you all that, that, that bring you together, that make you a collective Yeah, so or a commune? So- uh, yeah, so the obviously the the main backbone is that everybody shoots film. So we are a we are a film photography based collective. Um, some people print, some people scan. That doesn't really matter. Um, but obviously um, the work's got to be good. Um, but it's it's film that that ties everyone together. That's the main the main backbone of the whole thing. Do you have you found that this is quite a good source of inspiration for you as well? Because um, whilst I'm certainly not familiar with all the photographers that uh, are part of the All Format Collective, I am familiar with some of them. Um, uh, some like um, Kit Young and Nick Mayo in particular. I mean, Kit's work I've been watching for uh, again a long time, and it never ceases to <laughs> just go. Yeah. Ah, God damn it! Why are my pictures oh, never no. anywhere I, near I, that good? All my prints. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way. Kit, Kit's a uh, he's a piece of work put it that way yeah yeah he's a real piece of work <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm constantly inspired by uh the whole group um you know some of the guys have been shooting for a long time some of the guys have been shooting for a lot less uh, amount of time but everybody has their own unique spin on things their own unique approach and their own um way of seeing the world um and so it's it's always very refreshing and exciting to see the work that they produce and from my perspective to to bring it all together and to kind of play with their images and bring them into sequences for the zines is a, is a real joy um you know it's 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 fantastic from my perspective and and a constant source of inspiration i mean i was even uh i was pinging them on the group chat yesterday calling them all um swear words i'm not sure if i'm allowed to swear on the, on the podcast but I'll, I'll try not to um, <laughs> um 
but yeah, calling them all swear words because I was having difficulty cutting the the pool of images down to the the number that we need for the actual uh, zine itself, and thinking about actually we'll just increase the page numbers, which is not really you know sits well with me. But the 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 pictures that they have are so good, it's kind of it's hard to kill them, so to speak. Um, but yeah, they they are a very inspiring bunch, and I've learned an awful lot for uh, from them. Um, and, and continue to do so. Um, and especially, like I said, people like Kit Young uh, has been a, a very good source of inspiration for me, especially when it comes to the printing side of things, which is something I've done for around about three years now. And uh, it's really cemented itself in my approach to photography. And it's really, for me, is is a real cornerstone of it all. Um, you know, if you if you shoot black and white pictures, and you've never given darkroom printing a go, I, I can't urge you strongly enough to give it a go because it really opens your eyes to a kind of tonality that you didn't know was there until you actually start to see, you know, hand-worked silver prints. You know, it's 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 a different level. And so guys like Nick and, and Mikel, who have been doing that for a lot longer than me, have been a real source of inspiration and also a, a place to go to where I'm having problems and ask, asking questions because they've you know they've they've already done that you know many years ago so yeah i can't i can't speak more highly of the old format guys um really yeah um you did say before we started recording that uh for all their wonderful qualities they are rolling their eyes a little bit at you at the moment because of the current work you're undertaking so do you want to talk to us a bit about uh the the current project that you're working on oh yeah yes um so the last the last two or three years I've been working on a large format uh, project so shooting four by five film um, really in the in the area that I live in in County Antrim which is sort of just at the foot of the glens of Antrim which is a, a very hilly rugged area it's a bit like a, a mini highlands almost it's sort of the same vibe but smaller hills and a lot smaller um, geography wise but it means you can go north to south east to west all over the place in a very short amount of time which makes it great for me because you can you can get around it quickly um and so i've been uh, photographing storytellers um and the culture of storytelling which is still very much alive in this part of ireland um and the folklore that kind of inspires that so again this area although very small geographically has got a very rich history of uh, folklore and storytelling so you know the children of Lear that turned into the Swan Lake is is set in the sea about 20 minutes from here and you've got the Giant's Causeway with Finn McCool and uh, his son Oshin and all different bits and pieces including the the, the, the fairies so I know uh, quite a few of your listeners will probably think fairy and associate that, associate that with uh, Tinkerbell and the Disney films whereas in in the likes of Ireland and Scotland and Wales and um places like that fairy means a, a very different thing it's more of a a nature spirit more of a darker side of uh side of the world and there are certain places and certain certain things that quite a few people will not go or do and so even people who profess to not believe in any of that bs as they say would not go to a certain hill or they would not cut down a certain tree just in case um, and there's you know, there's stories of of, uh, of the motorway being built um, and you know having to go around a bush that's in the middle of the where, where the where the, where the, where the road's meant to be. I'm being deadly serious because the 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 road contractors were were adamant that they were not going to cut down that bush because bad things will happen. 
And, you know, that, you know, it's 2018 and people still believe that. Um, and so it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting theme that I've been sort of looking at and trying to get lost in that world to some degree um, with my four by five camera um, for the last couple of years. And it's been very enjoyable. But the reason that the the guys in all format have, um, are rolling their eyes is that I, I took this picture. Um, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon on a really sunny Saturday or Sunday. And I was in the middle of the woods. Um, there was no one else around. And obviously shooting four by five, you set your camera up and it takes quite a long amount of time to set it up and read the light and you know choose your lens and all that kind of you know messing around and it was just it was just a simple picture of the light coming through the trees um it was sort of winter i think so the light was quite low and uh, it was just a nice scene i thought oh, you know I need, I need some tree shots for this i may as well snap off a few here um again i'm very loose when it comes to, to four by five as well um I took this picture and whenever I shoot four by five, I always shoot double. So I shoot both sides of the dark slide because inevitably you'll mess one of them up or something will happen. And, you know, it's a, it's good practice to have backup. And so I have two images made on that day. And when I developed the pictures and looked um, in, in some detail, I realized there was a lot of mist at the bottom of the picture, like sort of it almost looked like smoke. And then I looked uh, harder and harder at this sort of smoke and started to see uh, and I'm going to sound really insane here. I promise you I'm not. I started to see uh, like faces and there's like three or four faces that I can make out in this smoke. Okay. And I started saying this to the old format guys. I think I've captured one of these fairies or nature spirits. And they were like, no, you're, you're crazy. It's, it's lens flare. It's dust. It's a problem with development. You've, it's a fingerprint. You know, they give me all the excuses under the sun. And like, I've been shooting four by five for quite a few years and I've never seen this anywhere else. And I have, two images the second image is where the all this mist has moved over to the right hand side to some degree and anyway i took it to my sort of storyteller contact who's sort of helping me facilitate the whole project and put me in touch with these really interesting people that i'm meeting and making portraits of and so on and she looked at the picture and the first thing she said was oh yeah that's a nature spirit yeah you've, you've taken a picture of a nature spirit there and i was like okay <laughs> so uh, i don't know most people I tell think I'm mad, um, but whenever I look at it, the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. I, mean, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I never have. I'm not religious. You know, it's to me, it's just an excuse to get out and, and photograph interesting people in interesting locations. But, you know, you can't lie with what you're what, what I've captured on the film. So there you go. Interesting <laughs> stuff. It's, it's uh... So what, <laughs> Go on, Graham. You can with... follow up that. I've got nothing to. I've got nothing to follow that at all. They, they, yeah, they take they take the piss and say I've got my Indiana Jones hat on and a whip and I'm running around the countryside, you know, cracking it and you know, looking for ghosts and things. But I, it can't really be further than the truth, you know. So what's the plan for this work then? What because the one thing I want to ask you about that we haven't got to is that you you set out you you made the choice to take it more seriously. Um, and then you've had you've been part of gallery showings. You've produced your own scene. What was the feeling when when your efforts to take it more seriously started to pay off? Um, and and what going forward from there? What is your plan for this work now that you've gone through the process in the past of doing the work and then having an endpoint for it? When you start a project like this, do you have an endpoint in mind for it? Yeah, absolutely. The the four by five stuff, the storytelling stuff, uh, I would I would love to turn into a book. Um, whether I 
do that myself or whether I do that through somebody else is, is still kind of up in the air. Who knows what the future will hold? Um, I've done a couple of zines myself personally and it is doable and I, and I think I could do a book if I find the right printer um, to do the kind of level of, of quality that I w- I'd like to get to. Um, but, you know, I'm more than more more than happy to to talk to various different people and see which way I need to go. But the end point, hopefully, will be some form of of publication that I can, you know, like you said, have an end point and <laughs> move on to something else and a bit more sane. <laughs> will this book be haunted? That's an important question. If people buy this book, are they taking their life into their own hands? Will maybe, this... maybe. I mean, you know, the uh, the fairies once they get a once they get hold of you, it's very hard to get rid of them. So. Um, but there's certain things you can do, you know, you can you can protect yourself. So, you know, I can I can tell you what you need to do if you buy the book, you know, buy a certain um, kind of metal tong and, uh, you know, certain things to put over your door and you're, you're fine, you know. For, for, for a small consultancy fee, you can tell us how to protect ourselves from fairies. Maybe what I'll do is put it as a like a like a paper, uh, like paper pull out thing as part of the book. And so you can kind of have the instructions in there, you know, read this before you read the book kind of thing and make sure you don't leave yourself open to to being taken off to, to the other world. That sounds brilliant. And are you shooting all, still all of this black and white? Because I, I know you have some colour pictures on your website, but I'm guessing those are more from your phone shots and stuff like that that you're just sharing because they've captured yeah. something that you want. Yeah, I've, I, I mean, I think I've got some phone shots on my blog. They're just snaps from my mm. from my from my mobile but yeah every, everything on black and white film um i haven't shot a, a roll of color in a long time i mean i kind of keep I, I sort of see a nice light or a nice landscape or a nice sunset or something i thought that would look really good on on color film but i just kind of can't bring myself to kind of make that switch and see things in color you know i've been shooting black and white for so long that i can kind of see what works and what's not going to work and what i need to do to, to bring out the best of a scene. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm, I quite enjoy the limitations of, well, it's not, it's almost, it's not really a limitation, but it's just a different way of seeing it's a, brings a different edge to, to the pictures in, in black and white. And I'm, I'm kind of not done exploring as far as I can go in, in that, um, in that palette, so to speak. So, and definitely with the, with printing, you know, I, I feel like I've, I'm only just scratching the surface with what can be done there. And there's so much more to, to learn. So at the moment, black and white for me is, is the way it's going to be. That's what I love about that is because I've read somewhere on your website that you think that you've color in some ways you just think find it's just difficult because there's so many more elements involved. But aid you, you almost the exact opposite. You, you love your color and you very rarely shoot black and white, don't you? Uh, yeah it's true although i'm not sure that i got quite the level of dedication to it that some others might have but um the uh i i yes yesterday i was digging through a whole bunch of, of prints that hadn't made it up onto the walls in the house and stuff like that just tidying through some stuff and i found some fantastic portraits of family members uh printed eight by ten shots uh on my bronica um in black and white um and and i was like oh and i think the the prints i did and these are not darkroom prints by the way these are ordered from a, a print lab but the prints maybe been in a box or or you know with other prints for about two years and i've been meaning to put uh, put them up on the wall and finally did that yesterday 
but uh yeah the, currently so so i'm not sure i'm entirely dedicated but yeah i'm not really shooting any i haven't shot any yeah, sorry any black and white for for some while um it's just not something i i, I feel it's almost the, the other way from what james you were describing is that i feel at the moment that the color is the thing that i'm exploring color and light and i can't imagine at the moment shooting without the color You still there, James? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, no, I'm, I was listening. Oh, I, 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 I agree with it. <laughs> yeah, dodgy, dodgy internet again, but no, I'm here. No. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's interesting. I I just can't can't imagine it. And and I guess that I mean maybe maybe my fixation on color and uh, yeah, just to change the subject slightly because. Uh, of course, um, you know, a lot of what you've done, you know, is, is, is study, you've studied, uh, you've learned technical skills in the darkroom, you're, you're a member of a successful film photography collective. And Graham and I, of course, have a problem at the moment. <laughs> Don't we, Graham? We really, really do have a problem. And we very much need your advice on this. Um, because uh, as we've talked about for the last few weeks, well, I'm getting for a, over a month now, isn't it? Um, the cheap shots challenge is our problem um, because the current theme is fine art. And uh, we don't really know what that is, do we, Aid? <laughs> well, I certainly don't. <laughs> uh, the, the, the closest description we've come up with so far is that the subject of the photograph should not be the subject of the photograph, which left us, to be honest, more confused, if anything else. So uh, as somebody whose work certainly hedges more in that direction and uh... who works with people, please, can you give us and our listeners your g good advice on getting some good fine art photography does it need to be sure. black and white i mean first of all can this fine art photography have to be black and white or is color okay no i think i think current fine art photography needs to be uh color and has to be shot on a mamiya 7 um, <laughs> oh, no. and i think i think that you need to do uh three years of art school first before you can um understand it and I think fine art photography is when the description beside the photo is is like an essay and you have to read that first to then understand what the, the photograph is uh, and what it means. So, so OK, so I, ca I can I can get with all of that, actually, although sadly, I don't think the Mamiya 7 qualifies as a cheap shots camera. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that I've seen any recently for less than 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you've seen plenty. You've read loads of books on this kind of stuff. So, what do you think it is, though? I mean, if you uh, if you had to point to something which you kind of go, okay, this th this book is more fine art. This book is more documentary. What what are the elements that? Because it seems like there's so many blurred lines in this. Maybe that's the thing that makes it fine art. Yeah. Is it blur? Um, come on, give it. We need some firm hints here. I don't think I mean, you realise how desperate we are, James. I don't think you'll get <laughs> at that point. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a really difficult question. I don't think you can you can say this is fine art and this isn't fine art. I think you know, art is a subjective thing. And if somebody proclaims himself as an artist and says this is my art, then you know that's their art and there's nothing you can do to contradict that. Oh, um, oh this is great news. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the sort of tongue in cheek thing is, you know, you could put an empty beer bottle on a pedestal and say, that's, that's my fine art piece. And it speaks to X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's fine. And that, that at the end of the day, that's art. Right. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's like really interesting. It's like the whole Banksy thing where his, his picture shredded itself in the gallery when the when they when it was sold for like, you know, 800 grand or whatever, you know, earlier in the week or last week. Mm. And the fact that that picture is now shredded in a, in a heap probably makes it more valuable than it was when it was sitting in the frame. But yeah, just because it, of not because just of what happened anymore. to it. Yeah, it's because not... it's because it's now this like sort of moment in culture. And that's what makes it even more valuable. So, you know, it's a really it's a really difficult thing to to pin down. But I think you can make a difference between documentary photography, where you're you're documenting something that actually happened from a kind of journal journalistic or documentarian perspective, where you're there to reflect as close as possible the reality of, of the situation. And that can be as simple as you know, taking a picture of somebody's birthday, or it can be a war photographer documenting what's going on in, in a war-torn area of the world. And then if you move into the more, blur the lines into the more kind of art side, there's two photographers which you need to look on. That are, that are, they are Alex Soth, who is sort of a, a, a documentary, documentary photographer, but puts a spin of, um, goes into the art world, in, in his head um, and in and, and, and the concepts that he explores. And then also Todd Hedo, um, you know, quite similar work to a degree. Um, Soth is a bit more project-based than, than Hedo possibly. Um, but they are, you know, fine art photographers who blur the, blur the boundaries between documentary and, and, and art in my perspe- from my perspective and are very doing it in, in incredibly interesting ways. Um, and if you read about them and, and what drives them and, and the projects that they've done, then that may give you some inclination in terms of what art is uh, or what art photography is. Um, you know, it's kind of taking a concept and thinking deeply about that concept um, and bringing that to bear. And I, I don't know whether cheap shots is a single image thing or whether you can submit uh, multiple images. It would be very difficult to do that with, with a single image uh, from oh, my perspective. Sorry. People have got two. It's fine. You can do it with two, okay, right? Two, two's yeah. Okay, easy. No problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the tip is think of the concept and then photograph the concept. Got you. Okay, that so helps. it has to have. A, so there, there you go. There's something tangible we could work with, Graham. It has to have a concept. <laughs> okay. You know, it's funny. I was looking back through some of my earliest, earliest pictures from when I got into photography as a hobby from like 2011 um i I was way better at doing that then i I don't know whether you remember aid but the the forum that we were both part of the pixelated photographer forum um chris used to uh do his um i can't remember what they were called now assignments um and there'd be a topic and i was much better than going okay i've got an idea i'm going to go out and do this and and seeing it through and i've i don't know whether it was just a different time constraints now from then or whatever it may be but um yeah i've definitely lost that ability it seems like i was doing way more dumb stuff which you could definitely go oh well, that must be art because it's stupid um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so so some some kind of concept i think that's the takeaway i'm having from this part of the conversation i i uh, that that sounds something like i, I could get some level of, of uh, i know tan- tangibility around and and see if i could work something with it I'm not guaranteeing that I can. <laughs> Have you even got a roll of film yet, Aid? Uh, uh, yes, but none that fit my cheap shots camera. Oh, good <laughs> grief! Fridge full of them. Most of them seem to be a little bit too big to to jam in the camera. 
absolutely. What, what are you using for your cheap shots camera? Well, my cheap shots camera is, is a glorious Pentax Auto One Ten. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I'm not, sure even, I'm not sure I've even seen one of those before. It well, it, it's it's one of the world's smallest ever SLRs. So it, it looks like a, a you know a, a 90s plastic slr although actually it's from the 80s the early 80s i think but it's it's literally a one it's the tiniest slr it has interchangeable lenses um and you 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 know you focus through the viewfinder which goes through you know through the lens and yeah uh, yeah it it, it, it's it's a yeah um you don't have a lot of manual control it's 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 automatic and that's it um uh, because the you know the it, it's got some fantastic technical stuff like it's got a two-bladed aperture <laughs> <laughs> okay nice. Um, and the aperture is actually in the camera body the lenses don't have any apertures in them at all they're just little plastic right. jobbies but it's it's good it's good though it's good it's good fun um and uh but yeah it's not the um it's it's not the uh the the camera that uh, uh takes all the film that i've got in my fridge sadly it's not a device for ultimate image quality is it aid well you see it depends <laughs> on quality yeah if you consider quality to be a blend of technique and content then absolutely it is as long as <laughs> if somebody else is using it <laughs> um uh, if you turn you know if you're thinking about grain free well you might as well shoot digital exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's very true that's very true and it's much harder to make i mean it's not impossible but it's much harder to make beautiful prints beautiful silver gelatin prints from digital uh, there's a lot more steps if you're going to do that so um yeah, is, no. yeah. and you've got some beautiful prints because you actually sell your um work as well don't you on your website or some of your work anyway so, some of it yeah i do occasionally um i i, I kind of find that um as soon as somebody asks for a print or i got i, I have to do a print for somebody the kind of jo- the joy goes out of it to some degree <laughs> no, okay. no. I don't, I've, I've always found this that as soon as i have to do something i kind of don't want to so if i'm doing it off my own bat it's like i love it i can't get enough of it and i'll print all night but then as soon as and if i sell one of those great but um if somebody fit you know physically asked me for a certain print or i have to do something it's like oh really and then it takes me ages to do it i don't know it's just my my personality i guess well, I'm a bit like I'm a bit like that, and and me I part of that I think is because of the nature of doing photography. In your case, far more that far more committed than I am, but but not as a a primary source of income, shall we say? Um, yeah. In my case, I'm very much a hobbyist, and I you know for me it's about it's it, it's one of the few things I have in my life where there are no deadlines and yeah. you know and it doesn't matter if I don't finish something, and and I can just be me you know and 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 not do stuff if i don't want to and think uh, or or pursue it maniacally if i do (laughs) so so i I think yeah i know you're you're far more committed to to you know to the uh the 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 photography side of it than i am or actually possibly more you know maybe my commitment is is as much about the podcasting around photography yeah exactly as as it is around the photography itself because that certainly is a it is a commitment that i make and i do my best to stick to um so so maybe maybe my community involvement is is more about the the podcasting than it is the imagery itself but um you know there are elements of i at my actual photography where i just you know it it's the it's the relaxing thing it's the thing that doesn't have to have deadlines and it doesn't have to have any output or outcome which is nice yes. i like it like that. yeah yeah no i agree with you agree with you and that's i mean we, we talked a lot about um 
approaching things from a project perspective and taking things seriously. But I, I never sort of give myself a time limit that, okay, I'm going to take a month or a year to do this and it has to be done by then. Like it's, it's definitely free format and it's, it's done when it's done kind of thing. And um, I, I, like you, I like the, the freedom of it and the, the, the ability to kind of try things out and be creative and not, ha- not have deadlines. It comes a lot more easier than when, when you do, you know? Yes, I think uh, you're, you're probably very lucky because, as you said with the podcast, you know, it's the thing we do. We do it because we love it and we enjoy putting out. And if ever anybody actually said they wanted us to put out a podcast, it would probably be a real chore. But fortunately, I think it's very unlikely anybody's ever said they want us to put a podcast. Out. <laughs> fair, fair, fair point. Fair point. Okay. Well, now we've resolved fine art. I think that that's brilliant. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I think You've I, yeah. resolved fine art. <laughs> I, I think I think we have, no, no. Well, so, okay, all right, all right. Maybe not quite resolved it, but we've got some good tangible, good tangible advice from James to go on. Yeah, have a concept, right? That's a good first step. So, Graham, what's your concept? Uh, I don't know, but I'm definitely thinking it involves a clown wig. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no further information beyond so, that. But, that's a good start for sure. Yeah, and a balloon on a stick. <laughs> Maybe, maybe a balloon saying, um, keep calm and whatever it is, I'm 30 or something. You know, what? I, I, I just want particularly just because it's the picture that's really, having looked at a lot of your pictures recently, James, on, the, on your website, um, there's one picture which I just charge all of our listeners to go and look at because you recently shared a blog post uh, and I think on Instagram as well about a, a trend that you'd noticed that most of the photo books that you own include a picture of a cat somewhere yes. else. um and and your work is no different uh your work has and there's this great picture of uh your son um on the little trike with with this fat cat big fat cat in um in the little trailer on the back with the biggest eyes ever and it's just it's just a, a great photo there's, there's something about that picture that just will not leave my brain so um uh, i I can't remember why I started with that thought, but just everybody go and look at that picture of the fat, fat cat with the big eyes in your son's truck. It's brilliant. Yeah, that, that was just one of those one of those moments where it all came together perfectly, and the cat stayed, and they both enjoyed going around on the on the tractor. You know, so um, awesome. Yeah, one in one in a million. You know. <laughs> You, you have your cat print ready for your photo book, your full-on photo book when it's done. Now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a few. I'm, I'm, I'm building a – I might actually do like a cat zine at some point. Um, yeah, I've had that oh cat. He's, he's called Fred, and he's been with me for quite a, quite a number of years. So at some point I'll probably do some form of project on him or just pull loads of pictures of him out of the archive and stick him in a set somewhere, you know. If you do a casine, you better make that a big print run because you know that the internet's going to be a big fan of that. Well, you know, um, uh, Cliff, um, oh, what's he called? The guy, one of the guys he runs, uh, Death Before Digital, um, and he did a he did a, a cat zine. He shot his cats. He has these like Siamese cats, like you know, those sort of bald ones, um, and he shot them on like a Hasselblad with a flash, and they are the best cat photos i have ever seen and he did a couple of zines that sold out in like 12 hours um and i can't i can't remember his name it's escaped me so apologies but unfortunately that's just my brain is terrible with names and things like that but um he's one of the guys who runs death death before digital um and our streets on instagram um clifton barker there he is, that's his name so check out his stuff he's got some great cat photos 
Sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, I don't think we can beat that, can we? Really, we've solved the we've solved the issue about fine art. We've discussed one of the best cat photographs on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think we better just say thank you and close the show while we're winning. Actually, at that point, <laughs> <laughs> well, we got, we got a couple of pieces of news though. I think have we go? Uh, yeah. Um... Just the one shout out, maybe even. Just the one thing, because um, as with last week, we will be having uh, episode number two or issue number two, or whatever the heck it is, of the, the backing paper later on in the week or Monday, which is next week, I guess. Um, but we did want to wish a huge uh, celebratory congratulations to um, Michael Rasso and everybody else over at the Film Photography Project and podcast who have hit their 200th episode this week uh, i think it's just come out today actually so i haven't listened to it yet but i've just seen it dropping um we obviously we spoke to michael uh, a few short weeks ago um and he's somebody who's been uh, personally a huge influence on me not just in terms of the podcast but in terms of my photography uh and my love of the hobby and it's just great to see them uh still going after nine years um still putting out shows that uh, are still thoroughly enjoyable and um yeah just wanted to wish them a huge congratulations cool excellent and it was a great it was a joy as you say to 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 speak to michael when he was on the show uh and and for, uh, who knows like that's that's a lot of shows isn't it do you think we'll ever get that far um yeah, maybe i mean i to be honest i'm just impressed that the, the fpv managed to get there before negative positives did because i think they are hurtling up on show 200 and they've not quite reached one year in business yet so i mean it's all relative it's all relative isn't it but uh no it's it's fantastic as i said i love the fpp so um i hope everybody out there even if you're not a regular fpp listener go and check out the 200th episode because you know it's going to be a great one it's going to be a great show yeah absolutely cool all right well there we go uh there we go i suppose uh we should we should ask james uh, james have you enjoyed being on the show i have yeah it's been been great to chat and uh it's good to actually talk to talk to people verbally as opposed to through a device i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can i can do that yes i uh, i love all, yeah the, the the conversation so much easier to talk you know uh, free form and and let the conversation Absolutely. ramble this way because it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a fine art uh, medium in its own right the podcast as i, as I think all our <laughs> listeners will agree <laughs> we've totally, we've totally got fine art podcasting nailed <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's certainly surreal at times, but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay, well, yeah, that's all right. There's, there's, there's a place for the surreal in fine art, I'm sure. So, uh, and uh, of course, we also uh, always like to to let our guests uh, direct our listeners to to some of their own work. I mean, yeah, this is, you know, the, uh, we don't expect you to do this for free. Uh, shameless self promotion <laughs> is part of the deal. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so where would you like our our listeners to go and see your work? Well, my my I've got a website um, which which has got quite a few projects on it, um, and also my store, which is selling the last few copies of my latest zine. So once that's done, it's gone forever. Um, and then just find me on Instagram and and catch up with with all format as well. So all format we have. Um, a, a weekly takeover from from another film photographer who's not necessarily in the collective but uh lots of really good interesting photographers out, out on instagram and we have them on a kind of weekly basis so uh 
Instagram and and uh, on the web. Cool. Okay, and uh, your website is jamesmorton.photo? It is, that's right. Morton with an E, E, e silent. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then uh, all format is allformatcollective.com. That's correct, it is, yeah. Excellent. And how, so how long, do you have any idea before when the next all format zine is likely to be coming out? Oh, I... I... I, th- I would hope next month at some point. Um, we're into this at a quicker stage now. Like I said, I'm just sort of moving things around on a screen to to get things lined up. But uh, once we're happy, we'll we'll go to print and uh, start talking about it. So when it's ready, you'll hear lots of people talking about it until we're sick to the back teeth. So <laughs> don't worry, you won't miss it. If you follow all format or follow me, um, you'll you'll hear about it soon. Awesome stuff! Can't wait to see it yeah absolutely okay well there we go uh that then i think is her show 122 so we're at what's that 878 shows behind fpp um and uh, so uh, yeah well uh, you can get us on the internet as well as you might expect listeners uh, we are the sunny 16 podcast you can get our good friend mj on Flickr, uh, a Flickr group that is sunny 16 podcast uh instagram we've got eric uh graham are you doing the twitters at the moment i think you are aren't you oh yes i'm stirring up trouble on twitter. Glad <laughs> probably to. shouldn't be allowed <laughs> glad to um, hear it <laughs> yeah um, just with that thought in mind i am encouraging all listeners to uh send in their wonder pants to the good folks at analog wonder Pants, and they will one point analog wonder and they will exchange them for um, wonder points that's the thing uh, not for film then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well just send them pants please just send paul at analog wonderland pants or pictures of pants i don't mind which (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm sure that is going to make paul marvelously pleased with the the the, the time and effort he's put uh, into coming on our show um and uh yes well uh, as always uh the sunny 16 podcast comes with a health warning um so we'll we'll uh we'll play you out now uh with promises i should have kept uh or sorry i should say we might not by the promises i should have kept uh but by a song for, by rocha rachel's band which is on their album uh promises i should have kept god i should get this bit right at some point uh you can mm-hmm. find the album on spotify amazon or itunes but as with last week please hang on to the very very tail end of the outro music because we have got the third installment from martin scarland on his darkroom build and uh, as we record this <laughs> i have to say i haven't listened to it myself yet i can tell you it's just under two minutes long so it's, it's worth the wait but it's delightfully concise as well and i'm going to have a listen to it before i stick it into the show and uh, make sure that i am fit for answering questions on it next week <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited because I mean, the first episode, Martin was talking about, well, I'm just going to make this more space so I can develop my film, but I'm not going to get into printing. And then by the second episode, well, I've got this new (laughs) enlarger and all of this. (laughs) It's a slippery slope, yeah. Yeah. So I'm expecting this one. It's just going to be, I now have an underground layer and I will be taking over the world from it. (laughs) It's the way this must go. Well, there you go, listeners. You have Graham's prediction. <laughs> and you can listen through to the end of the music and then Martin's segment to, to see whether Graham is correct or not. Um, I think I'll bet on Martin rather than Graham at this point. But of course, uh, you won't get there until I actually close the show. So, as always, uh, it has been an honour and a privilege to talk to you all. And goodbye. Bye.
Hello, it's Martin again. Um, I just realised I forgot to say something last time. Um, before I put all the plasterboard in, I spent a bit of time running some electrical cables. So I've run some lighting um, cables in for my safe lights and I'm just going to have a fluorescent light on the ceiling. And I also run a little ring man in so I could have some power sockets. Um, so that is quite good and now it's all plasterboarded and I've taped all the joints and filled them and um, I've now moved on and I'm going to paint it all. Now it's a nice two-tone colour, it's blue on two walls and a sort of dark sludgy green grey on the other two walls. Both pots of paint were well, ones left over and in the garage so I'm in, in keeping with trying to keep this as economical as possible and they were free so that's good um, and now I've got to wait a bit until I can get the next things done um, the next things on my list are to oh I, I know something um, I put a, a shout out on Facebook for anyone that knew anyone that was having a new kitchen because I'd rather like to catch any old kitchen worktops that were going because that would be an ideal surface for me to have a worktop um, to put my larger and, and copy stand on. So um, I'm still waiting on that. I'm hopeful that something might come up. Um, and that's about it, really. Cheers. Bye.